the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Ephesians and we're in chapter 4. We're going to go back to verse 12. And what we've been talking about is really, what's the church about? That's what Ephesians 4 is saying. What's the church about? What's the purpose? And we just talked about the gifts that he gave. And he gave men to the church. To the church, which is the body of Christ. He gave gifted men. And some were to be apostles, and some were to be preachers, and some were to be teachers, and some were to be evangelists. He gave them gifts that they might, what do they might do? What was their purpose? Well, that's where we come to Ephesians 4.12. And we talked about Ephesians 4.12 last week. But I want to take another look at it, and we're going to look at two words that he uses, particularly one. He uses the word perfecting and equipping. We're going to look at that as it relates to the church. Now, this is a little internal statement about who we are and why we are what we are as a church. The verse reads, verse 412 in the Amplified says, His intention, what was God's intention for giving these gifts? What was God's intention for doing what He did? What was His purpose in all of that? And He says, His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. The consecrated ones, the consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering towards what? For what purpose? Toward building up the body, Christ's body, the church. Now, I want you to understand something about the last part of that before we go any further. When he talks about the building of the, of the body, building up of the body, that's different than building the body. Who did Jesus say would build his church? Jesus. He says, I will build my church. He doesn't say, go build my church. He says that he gives these people for the purpose, for the intention of the building up of the church. Now, understand that the first part of the verse plays into the end of the verse because what he is talking about is the perfecting and the equipping of the body of Christ. That is you, Christian. And the reason he gave these men to do what they do, to be preachers, to be teachers, to be evangelists, even to be apostles, the apostles, the reason he gave these men were for the purpose of equipping and perfecting the body of Christ. 
Because the body of Christ is brought together by Christ Himself, is joined by Christ Himself, is built up by Christ Himself, and is called individually, even before the foundations of the world, is called by the Father Himself. Remember, Jesus said, no man comes unless the Father calls him, right? Now, last week we said that it was God's purpose in keeping us on the planet after we received salvation. God's purpose in that was to grow us and to mature us. I want to, I want to go a little bit further with that. It says in verse 12 that his intention was that we be perfected and equipped. Now, we can call that, many people call that discipling. And discipling is a good word. That's really, really what it's about. But I want to give you a new, a new term for it. Divine parenting. That's what it is. It's divine parenting. It is growing us in the truth of who we are. Now, the scriptures has three different types or specific types of perfecting that it refers to. And I want to go down the list of that, of those types of perfecting. I remember, uh, many of you may remember the verse in Matthew 5.48 where Jesus stands in front of the Pharisees and he's talking to them. They'd already been touting about how they were keeping the law. And he says, you therefore must be perfect. Growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character. Having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, you know they, uh, they immediately responded, well, of course we're perfect. No. He just raised the bar completely out of their reach. But it is clear in the Word of God that God demands perfection. Being God, He could demand nothing less, could He? He could not be true to His character and demand less than absolute perfection. The perfecting of the saints is God's objective, and He he chooses to do it through the body of Christ, which is the church. Here are the three works of perfection. Here's the first one, and everybody here is familiar with this one. It's the perfection of the Spirit. What am I talking about? Salvation. Salvation. This is what happens at salvation. I'm not talking about the perfection of His Spirit. His Spirit's already perfect. But I am telling you that when you received Him, you received a new Spirit in union with His perfection. And in order for you to be in union with God, you would have to be what? Perfect. You would have to be perfect. Romans 6, 9, and 11 says, Because we know that Christ, the Anointed One, being once raised from the dead, will never again die, death no longer has power over Him. For by the death He died, He died to sin, ending His relationship to it once and for all. And the life that He lives, He is living, that is Christ, He is living to God in unbroken fellowship with Him. Unbroken fellowship. It's not hard for us to believe that Christ lives in unbroken fellowship with the Father, is it? That's not difficult. Anybody have a problem with that? Well, continue reading at verse 11. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation, that means your connection, your kinship, your relationship by blood, to it broken. 
but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. How do you live? In unbroken fellowship with Him. This is the perfection of the Spirit. You have been brought into union with Him, and your Spirit and His Spirit have been put in union with one another. Now, there's a, the analogy that's most often given is like tea and water, or flour and milk. You can't separate the two. They've been made one. It's the same word. God uses the same word in Scripture that He uses when He speaks of marriage. That the two become one flesh. The two have become one spirit. Because marriage is simply an analogy, a God-given analogy of what happens when, when He and you become one in spirit. And we've all sung the chorus, we're one in the spirit, we're one in, in His love. The truth is you are one in spirit. You are united in spirit. So even so, consider yourself as having unbroken fellowship with God. Now there's only one way that's possible. Only in Christ as a child of God is that possible. For in Him you became something totally new. Now you won't disagree with me that you couldn't have unbroken fellowship before you received Him. You didn't have fellowship. You couldn't be in union with Him. You were a different creature then. You were totally different. Your bent was different. Your desires were different. The core of your spirit was different. You could not say when you looked at Jesus, I love you. Because the truth of your spirit was that you hated Him. You hated Him. You could not fully embrace Him. He was anti-you because you were all about you. You were all about your independence. Apart from God, you had one desire and one God. And I can tell you who it is. S-E-L-F. That was who it was. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation. Not a renovated, not a made over one, but a new creation altogether. The old, the previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. And he uses the word engrafted. The picture, word picture there is the same that he uses in John 15 of the vine and the branches. Now, if you take a branch and you cut it off a vine and you set it to one side, what happens to it? It dies. Does it have life in it? No, it doesn't. It is individually disconnected from a source of life. It does not have a source of life in it. Now you take that branch and you take it and you engraft it, you adjoin it to a different vine, and suddenly it has life. Whose life does it have? The life of the vine. The life of the vine now flows through the branch. And the branch now has life. Well, this is what he is saying. You are not a new creature by virtue of a new body. Does a branch change its outsides? No. It's engrafted in the vine. What changes about the branch is the life that is within it. You are a new creation, a new creature by virtue of the life, the significance of that life in you. That's what makes you new. Now, the work of the enemy is quite simple. He needs to convince you that your life is this stuff. And then you have more affinity with this stuff than you do with the Spirit within you. And you never grow into the truth of who you are. 
And so this out here seems more real and more comfortable in the United States right now, more comfortable than trying to relate to the truth within you. But you never really get comfortable, do you? You never really find peace, do you? As one man exemplified for the whole of the nation, having $300 million a year and the Swedish bikini model for a wife doesn't get it done, does it? You will never hit the top apart from Christ. And with Christ, it's infinity. You were made for His life. And apart from His life, you have no life. And when He talks about the perfection of you, He is talking about your spirit, the truth of your spirit, which is which was born in you at the day you received Christ. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by a single offering He has forever... How, for how long? Forever. How much? Completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. You have been forever cleansed and perfected and made holy in your spirit. Okay? Now, I have been consecrated as His own and made holy. It is not about my behavior, do you understand that? But it's about who I am. It's not about what I do, it's about who I am. Now, I can behave like a dog, but does that make me a dog? No. I have the capacity to imitate a dog. Does that make me a dog? Every one of you has the capacity to act in sin and rebellion against God. Every one of you has the capacity to act differently than you are. To be untrue to the truth within you. Does that change who you are? What does it do? It makes you miserable. And you think it's because you're just not doing the right thing. I'm telling you it's because you're not being true to who you are. And because you're not being true to who you are, you're out there feeding on dog food, running around on your all fours, chasing cats, living in a way that's totally opposite, totally, completely different from the way God designed you to live. And you wonder why you don't have peace. Well, quit calling yourself Rover and stand up. On the other hand... God made you a spiritual being, and His desire is that you learn to be yourself. The work of perfection puts our spirits in union with His Spirit, never to be separated. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not discern and understand that you, that is the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, His sanctuary, and that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you, to be at home in you, collectively as a church, and also individually. Now, if there was ever a group of people that did not exemplify the Spirit of God being in them, that would be the church at Corinth. These people, for... Many of them behaved in a manner that was godless, that was immoral, even by our standards. They were wicked people. They were all about self-indulgence. It was all about what they did. They didn't, like, they didn't mind being religious when it suited them and made them feel good, but they also had a greater affinity for the world and what the world gave than what their life in Christ had already given them. And they had built that appetite, and they were continuing to grow that appetite. 
They were growing it, but it was like a thirsty man drinking salt water. It wasn't working for them. And Paul says, do you not know? Do you not discern the truth of you? Paul's not trying to convict them about their behavior. He's saying this, just stop it and live to the truth. Don't you know that you have the Spirit of God in you? Don't you know you have the capacity to live a greater, wholer, healthier, joyful, abundant life? Live it! Live it! Live in it! Quit living to the things of this world. Live to the truth. You have permanent union with God's Holy Spirit. Now there's a second type of perfection I want to talk about. And it's the final perfection. It's when we are delivered from this physical body that is corrupted by sin and given a new incorruptible body. Our faith is made sight and our soul and spirit will no longer be at war. Because of Christ, we will be one with the truth at last and there will be an uninterrupted peace. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21 says, But we are citizens of the state, the commonwealth, the homeland which is in heaven. And from it also we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah as Savior, who will transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform to and be like the body of His glory and majesty by exerting that power which enables Him even to subject everything to himself. Now, so we're talking about two different types of perfection. We've got the one perfection that happened at your spiritual birth. That's when you got saved. And then we've got the perfection at the end, the beginning and the end. The end of our, of, of our travail in this body. That is when we are raptured or we die and we put aside this body, this, as Paul calls it, the body of sin. Now, none of us, when we became Christians, got a new body, did we? You had the same body, and the appetites and the directions of that body, the impulses of that body, all of the habits of that body are still there. But you are not ruled by them because you now have His life in you. The body no longer has mastery over you. You have mastery over it. Now, here's a little bit of a deception there. That doesn't mean that you can go out there and feed yourself on the things of this world and then decide that you're just going to separate yourself off and be spiritual for a while and then go back and live in the world and separate yourself off and be spiritual for a while. Your body doesn't work like a yo-yo. You feed it garbage and it's going to put out garbage. The truth of the matter is that when we get resurrected, Jesus is going to give us a new glorious body. And the body of sin, the appetites of sin, the the consequences of sin, which is death and putrefaction, the corruption of the body, will all be gone because we will take a new incorruptible body. We'll have a new suit. You have an earth suit now. And it's just like this earth. It's going to pass away. And it was created for this earth. It's created that you could take this earth in. And God had to give you a balance so that you could begin to see Him in the earth and grow in Him while on the earth by faith. But the day will come when we'll put all of this away and God will give you a new body. It'll be much like the one you've got, by the way. How do I know that? Well, what did Jesus look like when He was resurrected? Jesus. He looked just like Himself. But the difference is, before the body took him everywhere, now the spirit does. 
what used to hold him back no longer held him. He was completely free. The thing that they say that this verse tells you, at the bottom of this verse it says, by exerting the power which enables him even to subject everything to himself, he's going to use the exact same power he used to create all matter, to create the body that you're going to be wearing, and no longer will it be subject to matter. It'll just be subject to Jesus. Won't that be cool? It will no longer have the, the issues of sin and pain and death. It will just be subject to Him. Living out of his, his life, living out of His direction, living out of His perfection, we will be made completely whole. That will be complete perfection. Now, so we talked about two different ends, right? We talked about when we were saved, we were perfected in spirit. And when we die or when we rapture, most of us are hoping to rapture, I think, we'll be perfected in body. What's in between? Life. Life is in between. And you know what? The problem is that most churches are camped out on one side of this thing or the other side. And there's a whole lot of living in between in there. There's a day-to-day. There's the monotony of life. There's the pain of life. There's the stress of life. There's the difficulties of life. And all of the stuff that's in between. And Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly at the point of salvation at the end when you die. Right? No. He said that you might have life, period. From this point forward, you are an eternal being. From the time you were born into the Spirit of God, you are an eternal being, and your inheritance is life and abundant life. So why are we camped on one side or the other? Because we have the third perfection taking place. The third is what one teacher calls experiential perfection. It is becoming perfect in the practice of living out of the relationship we have with Him. Living out of his life and experiencing his life with him rather than independently. This process takes a lifetime. It's called the maturing of the saints. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, Furthermore, brethren, we beg and admonish you in virtue of of our union with the Lord Jesus that you follow the instructions which you have learned from us about how you ought to walk so as to please and gratify God, as indeed you are doing, and that you do so even more and more abundantly. Attaining yet greater perfection in living this life. The perfection that we're talking about here is maturing into the truth of who you are. Maturing into what you have. That is the growth of it. Now I recently bought a used car that is different from any make or model I'd ever driven before. And it has all kinds of little buttons and gadgets in it that I don't know anything about. They're there, but I'm not sure what all they do. But let's just take this illustration back a little bit. Let's just suppose that I had never driven a car before and didn't understand what any of them did. Now, I take the car out, and I can tell everybody I have a car. I have a car. I have a car. And everybody says, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Then I get out in my car, and it starts raining. My gosh, I can't see. So I roll down the window, and I'm doing this. I can't see, I can't see, I can't see where I'm going. I don't know where this, how does anybody drive like this? I can't, you know what, I'm just determined, I have just determined that my car doesn't work in the rain. 
I am not going to drive it in the rain anymore. Then I run into the next obstacle. I get into the car and it gets dark. How does anybody drive in the dark? I'm looking up close. I'm doing, sticking my head out the window. I can't see where I'm going. I'm running into things. People are trying to dodge me. I'm all over the road. And I just decide, you know what? This vehicle is not equipped to drive in the dark. What's the problem? Is it the vehicle? No. You would say to me, look, you obviously have not equipped yourself, familiarized yourself with the understanding of what the car was designed to do. Can you actually know, can, can you understand that this car is designed to be a blessing to you? That it will get you through in the rain? That it will get you through in darkness? That it will illumine your way? That it is equipped to be all that it's supposed to be for your getting back and forth? Do you not understand that? No, I don't. Then you need to get the manual and renew your mind with the truth of all that that car will do. You already have lights. You guys are equipped for the entirety of eternity. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.